Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Amen, amen. I echo what Shannon said about uh, honoring those that are on our serve team. Uh, yeah, you should give, give them a hand. Yeah, I know. Oh, you're not clapping for them. You, you think I'm supposed to, oh, I'm surprised by Eggmund. This is Eggman behind me here. This, this is Eggman, not the, this is <laughs> Melissa right here. So Eggman is here to help me today just to reiterate some of the things that you heard there. Eggman, I'm just leaving you all out there. You got a little dance for us or something? I just like Humpty Dumpty thing happening there. I don't know what. Yeah, thanks, Eggman. So he's got some things that he is strategically handing me to remind you of today. Some promotional things that are in the back on the tables in the sanctuary here, but also at the Connect Centers as well. And uh, there's a special table in Westlop. They're everywhere. You can't get, get away from little cards that you can hand to people in your neighborhood, maybe at the coffee shop or whatever. It's got information about Easter services there. And then over here, thank you, Eggman. I appreciate it. Little posters that you can put um, wherever you are allowed. If you are a small business owner and you want to put those somewhere, we've got some of those as well. And Eggman's excited about this last one here. This is the one that, yes, yes, I sense the enthusiasm in you, Eggman. Uh, just this little yard sign that there's actually the stakes that go in the yard. I've got one of these up in front of my house too. And it just simply says, come with me to Easter weekend, an opportunity for you to invite people to Easter services here at Calvary. God's expect, we are expecting God to do some incredible things and uh, it doesn't have to wait, right? We don't have to wait for Easter. God's doing some amazing things this weekend. Would you do me a favor? And he's having a little bit of trouble because you saw it was leg day for the egg day promo or whatever. So a little bit sore. Yes, trembling knees. Way to go, Eggman, with the added extra there a little bit. I'm going to give these back to you here, Eggman. Give Eggman a hand as he and Melissa hang out and go off there. Just a little a little fun. <laughs> uh, they showed me that video and I said, hey, if you're going to go funny, let's just go all the way. Eggman's got to make an appearance on Sunday morning. So yeah, and we should all, I understand that everybody's focused on whether or not he's going to make it up those stairs and you're not listening to anything I'm saying. So this is called just, you know, improvising here a little bit. And the beauty of that wall is we see Eggman making his glorious, glorious ascension. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Wow. God's doing some great things here at Calvary. If you're visiting or just a guest with us the first time today, welcome. We just love to have fun in God's presence, and uh, you're in the middle of a family that, that, uh, that loves Jesus, and we love you, and we just have fun doing both of those things, and so that's an exciting time to be here. I'm so grateful that you're here with us, and um, yeah, I'm looking around the room today, and I, I, I know that um, there, there's, some, there's some stories in the room Today, There's some heavy and there's some celebratory stories in the room. And uh, even during our worship time, I was just, just kind of drawing eye contact with several of you. And, and um, not to bring the momentum down after Eggman, but I just want to share with you that you may be walking into this room here today and, and, and there's just a heaviness. And uh, I understand that. I feel that. I get that. And yet God is still on the throne. 
And you may be in the middle of a circumstance right now that you can't see that as clearly. And that's why church family is so important. Because when we get in those spots where we, our view is kind of clouded, that's where the, the scripture says we can bear one another's burdens. That's why it's so important. Because you have friends and you have men and women of faith that, that, uh, that can just be your reminder. Say, you know what? I know your circumstances may be a little bit different today, but um, God's still on the throne. So if you're visiting today, maybe you've brought in something that you say, man, this is, this is a heavy spot in my life. I'm here to tell you today that the, the words that we just sang in a song are not just cute words sung to a melody, that he truly is the way maker. He is still the miracle worker. He is the one who provides a way. His name is still powerful. And he's here to meet you today. Turn to Acts chapter 16 if you have your Bibles um, today. If you don't, it's there's on your phone maybe or your iPad or your tablet or whatever. If not, they'll be on the, ver- the uh, screens behind me. Acts chapter 16, we're... We're in the middle of this journey through Acts, and we've been talking about how the, the, the book of Acts, it talks about the birth of the early church and that we are a part of that. The story hasn't ended. The story continues in us. Some of you have asked me um, when we're going to finish up this book of Acts. I think I've got it on you know, the calendar, the whiteboard or whatever. It looks like the end of May. So we've got a few more weeks. We've got a lot of ground to cover in those. We're going to take a little time off for Easter and focus there. But uh, I'm excited because even in these next few chapters in the book of Acts, it seems as if the, the workings of the Spirit through the early church that we're, we, are, we have been commissioned to model our church after, it, it's, it's almost repetitive and not necessarily in a ho-hum repetitive, but just that God keeps doing what God does. And that's pretty cool. So that's an exciting posture for us to come into this portion of scripture today. I want to talk to you, if I were putting a title on this, um, it's, it's tough to title it without uh, trying to over, trying to sound too catchy, I guess, but this, this phrase that there is something extra, there is something extra. And it seems almost um, a little bit, um, in my heart, it's almost like a condescending nature that we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and my goodness, uh, there, that's, that's a challenge to say that's something extra, as if it's just an auxiliary. No, 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 no. When we seek the Spirit of God, it is, it is it. It is all. But there is that relationship moment that we come to with our, in our relationship with Jesus that, that then God allows us to have that, that something extra. And we're going to see through God's Word how that, that plays out in lives um, in the early church and also in ours. Acts chapter 16, we're going to read a lot of verses. So we're going to start in verse 16, and we pick up the story of we've been following Paul, and it was Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas left, and now it's Paul and Silas and these two men and others in ministry. But in verse 16, it says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Isn't that interesting? This, this little girl, through this demonic influence, was really telling the truth. Huh. Was really proclaiming what Paul and, and Silas were doing, and yet 
there was this annoying sense to it. There was this disruptive sense to it that I find kind of peculiar. And Paul recognized that. And we'll see why here in a minute. Verse 19, it says, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Verse 22, there was a mob that quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. It's interesting that Paul and Silas at this moment were not praying for their release. They were not praying, God set us free. They're just praying, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and ran to the the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Interesting response. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your house, in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him, with all who lived in this household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. The same one who had stripped them and beat them and locked them in the dungeon, right? The same jailer cares for them now and washes their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before him. And he, is, he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Father, I pray today that, God, you would just allow your words of your scripture to go to the places in our hearts where it can only go. God, I pray that you would give me the words to say and just purify my heart and mind of anything that would be me. And, God, I pray that you would allow your word to be spoken today in a true and powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What was it about Paul that caused this reaction of this little girl? Paul was just with the companions there. He was just going to church. He was just walking to the place of prayer. And there was something that happened in that that repetitive, that discipline that was being displayed to the people around. Something happened that caused the people and especially this little girl to notice. Have you ever noticed or found or come into to connection or con- contact with people that just had that little something extra? They just had that it factor. They, you, don't, you can't really describe it, but there's something um, magnetic about them. There's, some, there's something about them that just draws people to them. My family and I, we like to watch um, American Idol, right? And then not, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that it's like, 
you know, just brainless entertainment, right? And we watch it and we text back and forth. You see that person, oh, they're awesome. Or, oh, they shouldn't sing ever again. You know, we're mean. So I'm just, uh, you know, just back. And, but there's, there's this comment that they say about some of the people that are on that show. And, and they say this quite often. It says, you know what? Your voice is great. You have talent and all this, but you just have it. You have that something extra that kind of elevates you above everybody else. There's something that distinguishes you or sets you apart. If you put it in like the sports analogy, which if you know me any at all, you know that I kind of have this sports lens that I see it in whatever. But there's this, this phrase that you hear, maybe it's in, in the, the basketball playoffs and there's March Madness here right now. It's awesome, right? You got these teams that are just like Princeton, right? Princeton? Are you kidding me? A 15 seed, whatever. Some of you guys, I have no idea what you're talking about. But there's these teams and or players that get in and the phrase they use is in the zone. Like they're in the zone. They just didn't, like, they can't miss a shot. They can throw things up for me, and they're in the zone. There's something extra. I wish in my illustrious, I'm with all sarcasm intended, my illustrious basketball career that peaked at my junior year of high school, right? Like, that was it. That was it. I'm all downhill from there. But there was a few games that I had that I'm just like, I couldn't miss. And like, I was number two guard, so I'd be sitting up there right when the three-point line came in, was shooting threes, it was awesome. And they would say sometimes, not all the time, you know, you're just in the zone. There was just something extra. There was just like, some, it was like everything, like the planets were aligned right, all this stuff, but there was just something extra. Paul and Silas are just, just walking to the church, to the, to the place of prayer, and there was that something extra in their lives. We th- see things in scripture of men and women, of heroes. We see David and Samson and all these heroes of the faith. There was just that something extra in their lives. We see it obviously in the story of Jesus that the people looked at this man who was born in a manger. He was born in, in the, the lowliest of places. And yet as he grew and developed and, and the, the, the idea of being fully God and yet fully man, there was something extra about him. In fact, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we see what that was. It says, and you know that God, this word says, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus also says in Luke's gospel, chapter four, he's quoting the prophet Isaiah and he says this about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim what captives, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There is something about this word, this idea, this posture of being anointed. It's different than being in the zone. It's different than having the it factor singing and having a physical gift. There is a spiritual setting apart that is available to each and every one of us that have began a relationship with Jesus that is that something extra that Jesus says, hey, if you'll just participate in this this, this word that's called the anointing, and that, that's a word that we don't just use all the time in our lives, but that's why this idea of just being set apart comes into play here in our walk and in, in our lives. This idea of being anointed simply means that you're set apart. 
that you are set apart, not just to say, wow, look at him. He can do this. No, no, no. You're set apart for service. That there is that distinguishable trait about a person that is anointed that would cause people and cause things to happen that in their own um, natural giftings are simply impossible. There's an anointing available to us. In the, in the Old Testament times, we see how the, the priests were those that were first anointed in, in Exodus. We read this by their, they would, they would pour oil over their heads and there was this physical representation of a spiritual dynamic. We see that all throughout scripture. There are physical things that represent spiritual things. When we are baptized in water, it's a representation physically of a spiritual rebirth. We go under the water and are up just like Jesus did. And it's a representation of something that happens physically. This idea of anointing is about a, a, a physical representation of a spiritual endowment of power. We see that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he anointed with oil Saul and then later David um, to be kings of Israel. There was this physical that represented the spiritual. In Mark's gospel, Jesus defends the woman to the people that were saying that this was such a waste when the woman comes and kneels at Jesus's feet and begins to wash his feet with her hair and oil. And they they say, oh, this is crazy. This is a waste. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, leave her alone. She is anointing me. She is preparing me. She, in her physical action, is representing something spiritual that I am being set apart for service. How, what was the service he was being set apart for? Paying for my sins and paying for yours. He was being set apart. He was anointed for that. If you don't get anything else today, you walk away with the truth in this. This is what God's word is saying to us. In the same way, God offers and makes available to you and to me that same anointing. God's word says that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it's within you. It's not just a physical oil that comes over your hand like the Old Testament priest. It is a, a filling of the spirit of God that anoints you, that sets you apart to do the things that even Jesus himself did. You say, wow, Pastor John, I'm just coming to church. My mom just told me to come to church. You set me up for, yeah, I'm saying there's something extra. There's something greater than just in our initial just knowledge of what who God is. There is an experience. There is a relationship with this anointing that, that our world demands. You say, how do you say it that way? Well, because there's needs and there's burdens and there's, there's, there's opportunities for God to be showing up in people's lives that will only come when men and women like you and I are anointed with the spirit of the living God. And we walk into places as if nothing were to happen and little girls and little people just start running and saying, Hey, something's wrong. Something's different. There's this disruptive nature about those that are led and flowing in the anointing. It's not that they're trying, they're just going and living their lives, but there's something extra 
about them. And I'm here to tell you today that this idea of experiencing God is not just a cute little worship service or following Jesus. It's not just being involved in a small group. It's having impact in the grocery store. It's having impact in your workplace. It's having impact in your families that are broken and and torn apart by addictive behaviors. It's walking into family reunions and saying, you know what? I just want to pray right now for uncle so-and-so. And we're like, what in the world is happening? He says, you know what? There is an anointing on my life that I carry with me an authority that's not me. It is from the almighty God, the creator of the universe that flows through me. There is an anointing available to us that God's just saying, go, do. In fact, we'll see, I'm getting ahead of myself at the end. There's so many times that God requires of us impossible things and then enables us to do them. Why? So that we wouldn't receive the glory for ourselves. Oh, I'm so excited about this idea of the anointing. It's, the truth of it is, is there's, there's different elements. Some of you understand, and you may have come forward for prayer. There's another element of anointing that provides healing and, 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 and restoration. James says in his letter, he says in chapter five, he says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. What's so special? We have these little bottles everywhere up here in the prayer. It's just oil. It's just olive oil. There's nothing magical or you, you know, just like, it's just oil. Like literally it's just olive oil. However, there is a model and there's a pattern that scripture says that there are physical things that, that show up in the spiritual. And when we put ourselves into that pattern, I don't, I don't really even claim to understand it or have the, the knowledge that say, here's the exact reason why. In fact, sometimes I think that when we become too analytical in God's promises and purpose, we explain faith right out of it. And God says, well, you know, you can do it in your own because you explain. No, I, there are things beyond my comprehension. There are things beyond my ability under, to understand, but I know his word and his word says that, that his son guaranteed, he said to you and to I, greater things than these things that you have seen me doing, you will do. I'm just here to tell you that that doesn't always play out in our lives. And if that's the case, if it's not there, then I'm here to offer you today something extra. Not because of anything that I could say, but because God is still on the throne and he's the same God that he was there. What is this about this anointing? Well, three things if you're taking notes. I believe that this story that we just read um, tells us about those people who walk in the anointing of the Lord. Number one, people notice you. People notice you. Acts 16, verse 16, it says, one day, we're just going down to the place of prayer, and we met a slave girl, and she followed Paul and the rest of us, and she was shouting. They were just minding their own business, right? And this little girl, there's something different about them. When you walk in a power that is beyond what you can walk, that you can even muster up, right? If you even tried to do things of yourself, it would just fall flat, right? But when you walk in the anointing and being full of the spirit of God, there is something that people notice. When was the last time people noticed you? Not for things that you have done, but when was the last time someone came up to you at, at, a, at a family thing or at work and said, you know what, there's something different about you. You just walked through a really tough time. You just lost a loved one. You just, you're in the middle of this tragedy and you still have a smile on your face. How? 
Doors open, share faith. You're walking in the anointing. There's those opportunities. Someone at work comes to you and says, you know what? My dad's sick. My mom's sick. My kids, I've got a need. Will you pray for me? And you pray and they're healed. Why is that? Because people notice you and you're walking in the anointing. Is it about you? No, 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 no. Do they notice you? Maybe at first, but then you have the opportunity to point and reflect them and says, this is not about me. This is about God who loves you enough to send me in his power and his spirit so that you through me could see him. And that's what the anointing does. People notice you. God's called us all to be standouts, to be set apart, to be different in this walk that we are are leading. If people don't notice you, you may need the anointing in your life. You say, Pastor John, how do I do that? You just ask. Well, I've, I've grown up in church all my life. And I understand that sometimes we put these patterns and, and, and things that we think, well, you got to do this and this. Because if you grow up in church any amount of time, I remember we used to have these things called Holy Ghost Car Wash. And that's just what we called them. I mean, that, that just sounds silly, right? But it was just, you know, we'd stand on either side or you'd walk through there and then people would pray and we'd shout and somebody would say, let it go. And other people would say, hold on. And we go, I'm confused. And you're just like, whatever. And all this stuff. And I'm not, eh. If you seek God, the giver of his spirit, I just am am naive enough to think that God, who has called you to do the impossible, will not put unique, crazy hurdles in front of you to give you the tools that you need to accomplish what he's asked you to do. He's the giver of the gift. He says, God, you know, you say, God, I, I want to walk in the anointing. Ask, seek Remove things that cloud your vision, the distractions, those things that, that make you just unfocused on God and just get them out and clean. And, and, and God will fill you with that. When you walk in the anointing, people, people notice you. If people don't notice you, you may not have the anointing in your life. That's a bold, that's, wow, okay, yeah. Well, if there's nothing different about you, and people don't notice, I'm here to invite you for something extra. And my goal and and purpose in this is not to have just an experience, but that experience would would respond in our, would, would relate in our lives and impact our lives in such a way that people all over this region would enter into a relationship with Jesus that would change their lives. That's our purpose. That's the only purpose. It is for people like you and I to be drawn together to Jesus. And if you have not figured that out yet, boy, we need to go back to some of the basics and the scaffolding, right, that we talked about several weeks ago and say, hey, this is really simple. God's put you here on this planet for a purpose. And that purpose is to draw others into the relationship that many of you already enjoy. And that's with his son, Jesus, that he is your savior and he is your Lord. But without the anointing, you become impotent in that, that, that task that he has given you to, to, to achieve. People notice you. This past week, crazy illustration of this, but I just, it was, I thought it was kind of funny and yet there's power in it a little bit. We were, uh, had the privilege of going to some of the basketball games down at the Coliseum. And it was just fun. We had about eight of us from church here and, and uh, someone had blessed us with it. Awesome. 
So we're sitting there at the game, and trust me, when you're in that environment, right, you, you don't, there's no question on where allegiances lie, right? We were there for the afternoon, or for the, the early games, the afternoon games, and the second game was Iowa State, and uh, uh, Iowa State and Pitt, yeah. And uh, man, the people from Iowa State, I don't know if there are any Cyclone fans here, that's, but they're crazy, right? They're just like dressed up in these yellow and orange Ronald McDonald overalls everywhere. I mean, it was nuts. Like, they're just like, all right, you know, they got corn shucks going everywhere. And it's, no, they didn't. That's me making that up. But they were noticeable. But in that environment, I was with uh, Bradley Gwynn. And if you don't know Bradley, Bradley's just a little bit of a uh, Kentucky Wildcat fan. And uh, Bradley showed me this article, true story. There was, many of you may have saw, seen it. It's in one of the Greensboro news outlets to this, this week. And it was, it was a story that literally was coaching us as members in, of the triad, how to deal with the Kentucky fans that are going to be here this weekend. Like, true story. Like, it was tell, like, hey, <laughs> it was almost like, hey, these guys, these guys are nuts and they're coming. I mean, it was like that kind of thing. They were noticeable. I don't even know. Of course, Bradley was poking fun of himself, you know, because he is a Kentucky fan. But there was like, it was a big deal. And I'm just here to tell you that how cool would it be for news outlets to say, hey, uh, you know, those, those people that, that worship Jesus at Calvary, just here's what to expect when they walk into the room. Workplaces are, are, are being transformed. Like break time at these different corporations around time, they're turning into Bible studies and people are being healed. Why? Because these, these people that, that worship Jesus and are part of this family at Calvary, they're, be, be prepared. They're, they're in your places, right? That was this article. It was like this, this mysterious, they're coming. I could hear the eerie music. It's not eerie or crazy or whatever, but I'm just saying that when you have the anointing on your life, people notice you. I remember in high school, People knew that I would follow Jesus, and I wasn't perfect in that, but there were those, those moments that, that it came up or whatever, and I played basketball as well, and, and uh, we played on a weekend one time. I remember it was crazy because people noticed me and my example on the, the basketball court, and there was this one time where, where my, my flesh got in the middle of the, the witness, the noticing of people. And, and somebody did something, fouled me hard or something, and my mouth did not glorify Jesus in that particular moment. And you would have thought like everybody, going, <gasps> like sucked the wind out of the gym or whatever. I felt like an idiot. I had to you know repent and all that stuff. Why was that such a big deal? Because people noticed something different here and they had ex expectations that were different. And I'm just wanting to submit to you today that if people don't notice anything different about you, you need something extra. You need the anointing on your life so that when you walk into places, you, see, you know what, there's, there's the conduit, there's the answer to my prayers, there's, there's what I need. I, I don't know what it is, but I know they have access to it and I'm gonna, people notice you. Number two, when you have the anointing on your life, your circumstances matter less. Please understand that when you have the anointing on your life, your circumstances do not go away. It's not as if God pulls you out of the world and makes you walk in this little fairy tale land of, of, of bubble gum and gumdrops. You know, oh, it's just so great. I'm walking in the anointing. That is not the story that we read here in Acts. They were in prison. They had been stripped. 
and beaten. And yet, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. Their circumstances didn't instantly change, but they mattered less. When you walk in the anointing, there are opportunities for God to remove you from those circumstances, yes. But there are also opportunities for God to say, hey, there's a plan here. There's a jailer and other prisoners over here that need to know me. And I have faith in you, Paul and Silas, enough to know you're just going to be okay, that your circumstances are might not going to be changing right now. But I've got a plan over here that I need you to stay there and I need you to just be you and sing and worship me. Because I am going to use the anointing in your life to draw everybody in this prison to me. Their circumstance, it just mattered less. He said, Pastor John, that's not real encouraging. Well, I'm sorry. But the end of the story is, and God's anointing and his provision and his protection in that are great. No matter your circumstances, you are called. You are sent to that prison. You are sent to that relationship that's tough. You are sent into that moment. When the anointing is in your life, when that spirit of God is in your life, you can focus on your purpose for being stuck in that circumstance, and it just matters less. It's cool to see Paul going through this journey and, and watching the, 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 the uh, progression of his, his faith. and just I mean, this is Saul, right? This is the guy who was, who was killing Christians and persecuting him and had this dynamic experience, and now he's, he's flowing in the anointing. And Paul writes uh, later in, in, in a letter to this church at Philippi, he says some pretty amazing things when looking through the lens of this prison experience in Philippians chapter four, verse 11, it says, not that I was ever in need. Are you kidding me, Paul? You're in prison. I think that's a need, right? For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with full stomach or empty, plenty or little. Can you hear just the eh of Paul's voice? Eh, it's all right, it's just stuff. For I know that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Circumstances matter, matter less when we flow and walk in the anointing. Number three, when we walk in the anointing, freedom follows you. Freedom from sickness, from addictive behavior, from bad relationships, from demonic influences. Freedom follows you. Going into school, going into work, going into families. When you walk in the anointing, there's opportunities for you to, to make a withdrawal on the, the authority that God has given you in your life and say, you know what? I'm a child of the king. And when I walk into a room, I am an anointed laborer together in the same line of, of, of Paul and Silas. The same spirit is available to me, and I am anointed. Freedom follows you. Freedom is not just for you. If we could ever get it in our minds to understand that maybe this circumstance is tough, but God is allowing me to go through this circumstance for, yes, his glory and my eventual freedom and deliverance from it, but it's not just about 
about you. Paul and Silas were not specifically praying, God, set us free from this prison. No, they were focusing on Jesus. They were focusing on the Lord, just singing hymns. And as a result of that and the anointing on their life, everybody in the prison was set free. It wasn't just about them. Freedom followed them. Our freedom and sometimes the freedom of those that are in our areas are impacted by the level of anointing and the impact that our life possesses. Freedom follows you. I said this earlier, and uh, there's a statement that I'm going to try to communicate it uh, as best as I know how, and I, it's something that God's been stirring within me. But there's a statement that says this, that God, if you've ever noticed this in God's word, that he has a habit of commanding us to do things that we alone cannot do. Like, he has a, it's like, you know, it's, it would be like you saying to your, your son or daughter, going to them and saying, bad example, but it's just here, on the, whatever. Hey, hey, little four foot tall young man, here's a 10 foot pole here, a 10 foot bar on high jump. Jump that. All right, see you later. It would be like, it's like there's no way that's not gonna happen, right? What a cruel dad. You know, when we were growing up, or when I, our kiddos were, were smaller, we had the basketball goal that you lowered down or whatever in the, the, the driveway. And, and I loved it when my, my son started playing ball. I was like, hey, go shoot it at the 10 foot, you know, whatever. It was, it was nearly impossible. What, what happens? You lower the goal, you pick them up and they dunk it, right? They think they're awesome. It's almost as if God puts these things in front of us to uh, make us understand that in our own strength, we cannot do that. And yet, he always enables that which he instructs. He always picks us up and says, okay, you can dunk it now. He always lowers the bar so we can jump. He always, maybe he'll just throw you over. Maybe you feel like that sometimes, right? And you're like, ah, whatever. But he always enables that which he instructs. Luke's gospel chapter one, Pastor Clayton mentioned it a minute ago, verse 37, it says, nothing is impossible with God. So let me do a little un- unpacking of this with you today. And this was something that I just heard this past week and I'm, I'm still, still chewing on this and figuring out, okay, God, how does that apply here? But just so good, I wanna leave it with you. Luke 1, 37, nothing is impossible with God. There's one interpretation of that verse and, and kind of picking out the words there and seeing what they mean in the original text there. This word nothing really is two words. It's no, like there is no, that seems very obvious. But then the way this is written, this the last part of that, the thing, really refers to, some of you know the word rhema, which is, is referring to this fresh word of God, like this God speaks, right? It's his, it's his voice. So it's like no word of God, no promise of God, no assurance from God, right? And, and there's this one theologian, he, he kind of was unpacking this verse, nothing, 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 nothing can be spoken from me. Yeah, I get it. So nothing is impossible with God. This theologian, his name's Jack Taylor. He's passed away, but he said it this way when he was interpreting this verse, and I love it. And I think it, there's some truth to us here in it, his explanation. He says, it could be said that this verse could really be, be read this way. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that does not contain its own ability to perform it. Let me read that to you again. No, nothing is impossible with God. That's the verse. 
No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that does not contain its own ability to perform it. Well, that makes Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 sound really a lot better. When, when the gospel writer says Jesus is, or is sending out the disciples, he says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Can you see their faces? Can you see them when the son of God is saying to them, hey, just go heal the sick. It's a 10 foot pole, whatever. It's as if God is trying to communicate to us with the anointing, with the spirit of God living in us. There is nothing that he has commanded us to do that he hasn't already enabled us to accomplish it. And some of you, that needs to just set you free right now to say, God, there are some dreams and goals in my life that seem impossible. And you may be waiting for something different or whatever, but with that freshly spoken word of God, there is an anointing that comes with that that is not just the challenge for it, but it's the ability and the enablement as well. Matthew chapter 10, he says this as he goes on. He says, God will give you the right words at the right time. For it's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. There's this idea that, God, you've, you've called us to, to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's no one that you come in contact with that God hasn't sent you to to be that freedom. There's no, it's, that's a huge task. And he's also enabled you with the ability to do it. Not you, but him working through you. It's the anointing. Say, Pastor John, that's a really high bar. That's a really big challenge. Yeah. And yet when I read through scripture, when I understand the different ideas of of the fullness of God and working in us, I can't get away from it. There's a moment that God is calling to church, us to church that, that is unique. And I, I don't even know the words to put around this, but have you noticed that God is doing a new thing in this world? Have you noticed the pockets of his activity? And I'm not here to say, hey, let's replicate methodologies or whatever and try to recreate. No, 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 no. I'm here to say God is moving and I want to follow God who is moving. I want to say, God, where are you at? I want to be in the middle of that that that, that so to speak. I heard an author this past week say something about the spirit of God in us is it was never meant to be a lake. It was meant to be a river and lakes. When they get stagnant, they stink, right? But I'm saying, God, there's a river of your spirit moving. There's an anointing that you're doing on this earth. And I'm just ready. I'm ready to be in the middle of that. I'm ready to be where he has for us. I'm ready to seek him with all of my heart because when men and women do that, the anointing flows. And people are set free. I'm tired of church as usual. I'm tired of just coming in and just having an, okay, you know, what's the time? You know, whatever. No. People need freedom. There's men and women in this room today. I could call, I'm not, I understand confidence. I get it. But there's families that are sitting here in this room that are walking through challenges 
They're walking through that challenge is just such an understatement. They need the spirit of God to be active in and through our lives. And their freedom is dependent sometimes on me, who's in not just me, Pastor John, but me, us, as, as the one that's in the chain. And maybe we're saying, oh, woe is me. I'm in a prison. Woe is me, my circumstance. And God's just waiting for men and women like you and I to say, I'm not satisfied with just the stagnant. I know that I have a relationship with Jesus. All throughout the book of Acts, we see believers who then are filled with the Spirit. There was something different. There was something extra that came on them, and that is the anointing of the Spirit in their lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the anointing to be present in all of our lives. So that newspaper article, who cares about the Kentucky fans? It's about the Calvary people who are just on fire for Jesus, and people are being healed when we walk into Chick-fil-A. They're being healed. Oh my goodness, when you go into Taco Bell, right? They're being healed when you walk into a place and you see someone in need and you don't have fear. You don't say, oh man, what if God doesn't answer? What if he does? What if he gives you an opportunity to just be a prayer warrior in that moment where God says, I want to use you in a great and mighty way. Can I tell you this and just release the pressure from you for, for feeling like, oh, I can't do that. No, it's not you. It's God. When you speak into those situations, Hear me very clearly when I say this. When you speak into those situations, when you, are relate, or when you have a relationship with Jesus, the Spirit of God in your life, when you speak into a situation like that, you are speaking with the same authority as Jesus. Why would he withhold anything from you when he's given you the task to, to, to be the, the, the reconciliation for the world? He has anointed you. Jesus said himself, greater things that you're going to do far better. Then he sent him out and said, go heal the sick. I was reading through this past week. I'm getting off notes. Pastor Clayton better come quick or we're going to be here all day. So help me close it out. I was reading through this past week and hearing about the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 and just, just the idea there that, that, that where did that miracle come from? It came when this little boy in one of those situations brought what he had, he gave it to Jesus, he blessed them, and then Jesus did not just take the loaves and fishes and go abracadabra and begin to hand it. No, 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 no. He gave it back to the disciples and he said, go feed them. Yes, he blessed. Yes, he empowered they fed them. They did it. Later on in the story there, they're, they're, they're having a struggle and they say, hey, this crowd's around us and they're hungry. What should we do? And don't you know, he says, you knuckleheads, just a few weeks ago, 5,000 people are here and this little boy has loaves and fishes and all of them were fed. And now you're, you, ah, you know, you feed them. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what are you saying? We can't do that. And what he was saying to them was when the anointing of the spirit of the living God flows in you, that you speak with the same authority, Jesus was saying, that I do. And church, I don't know about you, but that kind of gets me fired up. That puts my little little pride issue that I have over here of saying, well, I don't know if I should pray with them because God, what if you don't heal them? What if he does? And if he doesn't, it's not your, your deal anyway. God's sovereign, right? You say, you know what? I'm going to just speak with the authority and see what God does. 
That's what people with the anointing do. And I'm just here to challenge you today to seek God and his spirit active in your life. And there, I get it. I understand not everybody will even want that. But those who do, oh, you better watch out. Paul and Silas, boy, they were, they were the exception. I want to be the exception. I want to be those that would hunger and thirst after him because he's going to fill. I sent, uh, we're going to close in just a minute. We're going to respond and just worship I sent a, a post, uh, posted something from a friend of mine that I say, friend, I know them. I don't, I know of them. They were actually um, former Assemblies of God missionaries that posted this, this story. There's a church um, that I'm very familiar with in Springfield, Missouri, James River. In fact, Pastor Tom and Kendall used to be there working that, uh, in the church. They're, um, amazing. God's doing some incredible things. And somebody posted something from one of their prayer times this past week. And I, I may be getting the details of it wrong, but look at my post, you'll see it. And I should have had it in front of me, but I, there was this, a woman who was in a car accident and um, through the, years ago and had her toes were amputated. And part of that, and it was like, that's a big deal. And they were in this, this experience there, uh, just a moment of prayer and the anointing flow in this room. She just felt like God was saying, God created you know, he's a creative God. He can do restorative miracles. He can do creative miracles. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's God, right? And so she went to pray. And there's several, two or three ladies were praying for her and they had her shoes off and whatever. And all you ladies are like, oh, you're worried about your pedicure or whatever. This lady had a little bit more concern there. She had no toes, right? And literally before their eyes, they're sitting there watching this lady's feet. And God, the creator, toes they begin to grow like literally and I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking God you're still the same God and we 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 I get it I see the thought bubbles all over the room I did the same thing we're flesh we are ah, ah, ah. come on that's a hoax God forgive us of our of our unbelief you know the scripture that we've read so many times say, I believe, Lord, but help me in my unbelief. I understand. All I'm here to say to you today is challenge you to have the anointing of the Spirit of God in your life, just like Paul and Silas did. Because when that happens, it's not as if the, 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 the focus of that is, oh, God, break these chains, or oh, grow toes. Or what. No, no, no. It's, God, I just want more of you. I want the relationship with you. In fact, if we're not careful, we can be the recipients of a rebuke that Jesus gave that I, was, I was, had in my notes. It says possible point. So this is, I'm treading on, on sacred ground here. So if I offend you now, I should have stopped right there before this. But this, this spoke to me and I'm like, God, there, in my own life, I've found myself so many times in a situation where I'm satisfied with knowing about and not experiencing the who. Like, I, I just want to, if I could just study more of the, the word, then I, I'll, I'll be content. I just need more classes. Like, I, I get it. There's, I understand it. There's a disciple following Jesus, small group. But yes, I get it. But if we're not careful, we can substitute a head knowledge for a heart knowledge. If we're not careful, we can substitute knowledge of with lack of experience in. In fact, Jesus encountered some of the same leaders and some of the same attitudes in John's gospel chapter 5 verse 39 he says you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life but the scriptures point to me 
Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. He goes on to really rebuke them. What was he saying? He was not saying don't read scripture. No, no. He was saying if you just stay with a head knowledge, you're missing the point. I'm right here. Like, I want to engage with you in relationship. I want to have a daily walk with you. It's not about a Sunday morning class. It's about a communion with the Savior that says, hey, why don't you walk along this road with me? And then over time, we say, didn't our hearts burn within us? What? As he opened up the scriptures to us. The scriptures point to Jesus. And he's inviting all of us to walk in a place of the anointing of the Lord, of the Spirit of God working in your life. People notice it cause our circumstances to matter less and our freedom in others that just follows us. Stand with me all over this room. Jesus, Jesus, I worship you. We just close your eyes and raise your hands and just worship him for a moment. Lord, we love you. God, we're so inadequate to even express our desire sometimes. God, I I just want more of you. God, I don't I don't necessarily it's hard to even put into words, but God, we don't desire that anointing for the stuff. We're not we desire the anointing because it means closer relationship with you. And God, you are all we seek. You are the reason for this. God, it's not so people can notice us, so that people can notice the lack of us and notice the abundance of you in us. God, help us to get that right. But God, help us to not be so afraid of your abundance that we are satisfied with our lack. God, this statement just hits me. God, help us to not be afraid of your abundance that we become satisfied with our lack. Holy Spirit. This morning, our conclusion, early service, we just had a time of worship, and I feel like God's just wanted us to do the same thing. I know for me, myself, I'm sitting, you know, in a chair or in the spots for me there's something significant about moving I'm not I don't you you do you but I also know that there is a tendency sometimes for a moment like this for us to be so concerned about timing and miss what God wants to do and I understand there's circumstances emergencies and no guilt attached to that but we're just going to ask God for the anointing in our lives there are people in this area that need they need a relationship with Jesus and their chains could be dependent upon your anointing. God, help us to feel that burden. Help us to feel that burden. All over this room, I'm just going to ask you to find a place and just for a few moments, just focus on Jesus. Close your eyes, raise your hand. We'll be dismissed here in a minute. In fact, one of the most important things in a minute is we want to pray for those of you that need to meet Jesus for the first time. So we will focus there. But right now, there are some of you in this room that are simply the desire of your heart. We say, God, I need that something extra. I need the spirit working in my life like never before. I believe you. I've asked you to be the savior of my life. I need your anointing. I need your spirit in my life. And all over this room, as hearts begin to posture and begin to desire and seek the Lord, 
He will pour out His Spirit on you. He will anoint you and set you apart as we worship Him. Pastor Clayton, please.